0: Hey everyone, welcome to the BetSports Golf, Mexico Open DFS Preview. I'm Ryan Noonan, excited to be joined by my friend, Ron Kloss at PGA Splits, uh, the man behind all the data here at BetSports Golf. What's going on, Ron?
1: Pretty good. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk. Uh, well, Mexico, we got a little bit of a unique event again, two weeks in a row, right? We had last week with the Zurich, with the team events, and now we have a new course, which is different. We had a few of these. Uh, last couple of years with COVID stuff where we had like, you know, the concession and we had uh, like Palmetto, like some courses that we typically don't see in the rotation. These are always very interesting events here. And we have a, what feels like a swing season field. Uh, other than of course, John Rahm, who in some circles you consider still the number one golfer in the world. though Obviously Scotty has a, a fair shake of that. So uh, let's kick it off at the top before we really get into the field, buddy. Let's talk a little bit about the research you've done. I know this is a big part of your research there on the weekends heading into Sunday night, Monday morning, as we kind of flip the calendar every week, this is different again, having to find something, some information to kind of piece together the golf archetype that we like to kind of target on this week. So I want to get some, I have some questions on that for you too, but talk to us a little bit about some of the work and some of the research you've done on the course.
1: Yeah. You know, it's kind of a lull in between majors here, you know, it's either a week you love or you hate. Um, You know, usually it's a type of week where if you kind of know the lower end players well, and you do your research, you know, there's definite edges to be gained. And so, you know, every week's an opportunity and I think you have to view it that way. So um, yeah, like you said, there's really no data. There's no course history to draw from. I mean, I was, you know, a lot of people digging deep into satellite photos, you know, trying to get a glimpse of the course. Uh, I mean, it appears even the players are flying blind this week. Um, Chase Seaford, who's in the field, he told me yesterday that he knows nothing about the course except what he saw on the plane trip. You know, when he flew over, because you know, the airport's right next to the course, so kind of a learning experience for everybody. Um, so yeah, it's a par 71 course, measures 7456 yards. Um, it ranks as the seventh longest course on tour. Uh, kind of a unique track, it has five par-, par threes to go with four par fives and only nine par fours. So the par threes are pretty average in length, uh, but you have five of the par fours over 475 yards, and then you have three par fives over 585 yards. We have wall-to-wall Pespelum grass surfaces. Um, And again, not a common grass on the tour, but it's kind of used on these coastal courses. It's known for its stickiness. Uh, So drives off the tee, they're not gonna roll out as much on the fairways um, and they're gonna stop much quicker on the greens. Uh, Rough is only 1.5 inches. Uh, They're trying to increase the green speeds, usually on these kind of tropical coastal courses. Pretty slow greens, Pespelum is naturally slow. Um, but they're trying to get up to an about an 11.5 on the stip meter, which is pretty average for the tour. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I think it's really important not to forget that this is a resort course. Um, definitely designed for golfers with higher handicaps, not PGA Tour pros. Um, obviously, the, they've done a bunch of things to lengthen the course, changed from a par 73 to a par 71. Uh, coastal winds could be a factor here. Now looking at the early weather reports, it looks pretty good. I don't even see many wind, uh, much wind above 10 miles an hour, but, um, Uh usually, um, just doing some research on, uh, reports, um, it appears, uh, winds almost like clockwork around noon each day tend to increase. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Definitely. If you're playing showdown lineups, um, a lot of reports about how much easier it is to play the course in the morning so um, that'll be interesting to kind of see as we go along here Um, so along with the wind the length you have 11 holes with water danger 106 bunkers numerous large sandy waste areas Um, and so kind of getting into the actual uh, strokes game part here off the tee um, you have very wide fairways perfect for bombers who love to hit a ton of drivers Uh, you got five holes that present water danger off the tee but looking at the satellite photos there's really only two holes that have water that's really tight to landing area. So players are going to have a lot of room off the tee. Um, with a lengthy course like this, um, you're going to have a higher than average amount of approach shots from uh, kind of around 100, 175 plus yards. Uh, you're going to have 10 greens that have water in the vicinity on approach. So that might be the toughest part for players. Um, Greg Norman, who designed this course, uh, very typical to, to how he, how he, uh, creates these layouts. Uh, most greens have at least two deep bunkers that players will have to deal with. And while the greens are larger than average, a uh, second shot accuracy will be crucial. Um, and, and just kind of wrap it up here. Um, some course reviews talk about the greens being elevated and it's really hard to get a good grasp on the actual green complexes. Um, a lot of bunker errors, like we said, so sand saves will take on importance. Uh, but one thing for sure with sticky rough and slower greens, uh, there's kind of less touch involved with chipping and putting. And so, you know, those, whether you're a weak putter or strong putter, it kind of all tends to be neutralized on these types of greens. So um, T to green is uh, I believe, really important this week.
0: And that's interesting. If there's going to be no wind here, it seems like, again, as you mentioned, a resort style course with big old fairways, not really penal rough. Uh, these guys could go at this in a big, big way. Uh, if wind is not going to be a problem. So that's going to be interesting to see. I want to remind folks too at the top before we get into the players here. Uh, two shows a week here on uh, the BetSports Golf Channel. Uh, we have the, the DFS show here, obviously YouTube and in podcast form, Spotify, Apple. Uh, in the morning on Tuesdays, we do the betting show as well. That's already in the books, so uh, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're watching and listening. We really appreciate that. Busier weeks, better weeks. Um, no offense to the Mexico Open. We'll also do a Wednesday roundtable where we can answer some questions. You know, handle some of your DFS betting, late minute stuff on Wednesdays. I'll uh, look for that in the coming weeks. So, all right, Ron. At the top, it's really, like I said, it's a swing season type of field. No offense to this field, I and mean, they matter. Um, there's FedEx got points here that matters. There are paychecks that matter. There are tour cards that matter. Um, a win here is a win here, and really, John Rahm is here. Uh, and outside of John Rahm, it is a kind of a second tier fields a lot of the guys you know in the on the betting board that are priced in the 20s are typically guys that are priced in the 30s or 40s. Um you just they high tide raises all ships here they're kind of just all pushed up outside of Rom, who is obviously a massive um gonna garner some massive ownership I would expect on DraftKings because he is such head and shoulders above the field. The problem is you and I have kind of talked base touch base on this too really don't like the six case. So Getting up to Rom kind of forces your hand to take some shots down below. It's a little early. We don't have a ton in the way of early ownership numbers, but it's kind of a yes, no, I think, on Rom, um, Are we playing him, jamming him in, and making the rest fit? Again, like, I talked about this on the betting show. Like, there's a lot of narratives that you could tell yourself, like, he's going down here to cash a check. He's not, like, this could be a vacation week. Like, this guy plays 22, 24 events all year. He has 30 weeks in which he could take a vacation. He is a very wealthy young man. Uh, he can go to you know, Puerto Vallarta whenever he would like. I don't think he would want to plan the vacation around one of his weeks that he's playing golf. Now, again, that could be not true. It just doesn't make sense to me that he's going down there just to cash a check. This isn't a sponsorship thing. This isn't like a home country type of event. Like, I think he's going down there to compete and get a win he hasn't got a win since the u.s open late last year um rom what do we do
1: yeah completely agree i mean obviously i'm not touching those betting odds um no, same but at 11 3 i mean i i was expecting him to be over 12 um so I'll, i'm locking him in um kind of what you said he's not down here for a tune-up um just knowing his personality i think he's pissed off that he's dropped a third in the world so You know, when you see a guy like Scheffler just dominate the news and um, these other guys who kind of are going past him slowly, you know, all the chatter about how he's, you know, regressed or whatever, um, I can see him being very motivated. Um, And so, you know, I kind of go back and forth on it. You know, you kind of see some stats about how, you know, when he plays in weaker fields over the last two years, um, he's played in five events. He's got two missed cuts. He's got a 14th, a 17th and a 38th. So it's not like he's taking advantage of the fields, um, but I don't know. I just, something just feels different about this. Um, You know, in my opinion, I'm playing him and, you know, as we kind of get kind of down a little bit lower, I think it's easier because the rest of these guys in this top tier, um, you know, you've got some win equity with, you know, Kevin, you know, Tony Fino, you know, obviously he's, you know, another guy we'll get to here, but um, once you get below, this top tier, like the win equity just drops rapidly. And so to me, I mean, 11, um, three, I've got to play John Rom. I'm going to play him a bunch.
0: Yeah. So let's say he is hypothetically 33%. Let's say he is, is owned at that rate. Um, It's a jam him in and be overweight type of situation. Um, Or you just kind of want to match or you just want to be a little heavy. Cause I get jam him in. I get like, just, plug them in and build from there. Um, you know, again, like I'm typically more of a three lineup, three entry max kind of guy, single entry. So like, it's not hard for me to do that on say three lineups versus, you know, someone who's getting up to like 20 lineups or, you know, if a listener is hundred, 150 maxing, it's a little bit of a different beast, but what would you advise?
1: Yeah. So like what I like to do, and I, you know, I don't know. Typically I'll play a hundred lineups, you know, sometimes less, maybe this week less, we'll see, but, um, definitely go overweight. Um, and when I say lock in, you know, I, I might put them at 75% this week. Okay. Um, you know, I think you have to pick every week. There's going to be two or three guys that you just love and they're going to be chalky. Uh, but I think, you know, like we've talked before, you just have to eat that chalk, especially if you really love them and are convicted on them and, and, when you do those things, you just have to be overweight on them to kind of balance that effect. And um, I think there's when you get, you know, we talked about, you know, the 6K not being great. I think there are some pretty good viable options in, in the 7K that you can kind of pair with him. Um, and so, yeah, he's he's a guy I'll, I'll probably at least be double the weight of the field on whatever that is, if
0: not more. All right. Before we get into like the rest of the top tier, I touched on this at the top and I kind of want to get your thoughts because I think this is an interesting Week And I think it's a question that has to be answered. And I think people should be trying to answer this intentionally is we typically have a course that we know, um, whether it's, you know, we look back, you know, at the heritage a couple weeks ago, um, we have both course history and we have a golfer archetype that fits there, right? We know the type of golfer that's had success, the skill set there. You need to manage your accuracy off the tee. It's a second shot makers course, you know, those types of things matter quite a bit there. And we have that on most PGA tour weeks here. Great unknown. We haven't seen this event before. We don't really know about really what's going to work. Are you trying to build a player pool that is kind of highlighting and fitting a certain golfer archetype Like you talked about length being a thing where we have slow rolling fairways with the pulse pollen. They've extended this to a fairly long, I believe you said seventh longest on tour uh, at a par 71. Are we picking golfers that kind of fit that archetype or are we kind of just finding guys that we like that are in good form that we don't really know? Cause I, I feel like you want to be rewarded when you're right. And if this is a spot that shows up and it's like Detroit, like the 3M and it's places where like, you know, Bryson, Matt Wolf and Cam Champ can do well. Then like, I want to have bombers exclusively basically in my, my player pool that helps me cross off some guys or um, maybe it's not. And maybe it ends up being a spot where it's, you know, guys that can just manage and find fairways. We don't know how it's going to play. I I think that that's the way to go. What do you think?
1: Yeah. So before I get to like some stats, I'm really focusing on as far as kind of that player profile. um, I think when you get an event like this where there's so many, um lower level players i think people are going to try to flock to the names that they do know that they do recognize Um, one thing i really like to do in fields like this where the event is just the strength of field is so weak is kind of focus on players who have longer term or i should say going back in time as far as you know long-term form Um, so i'm even going back 75 rounds 100 rounds Um, And when you do that, you kind of see, you know, who's been more consistent over time. And, you know, when you play on these weaker fields, you know, you kind of would expect players who have a little more class, a little more talent to kind of rise to the top. Um, So even a guy like Charles Howell, who's kind of mid-priced here, you know, um, he's a guy who, you know, long term, you know, he really pops here. And so that's kind of one thing I'm focusing on is kind of looking back in time a little more instead of just recent form. Um, the one thing I do in my model that I put out each week is I, uh, a group of stats I call the core four, which are kind of in my mind the four most important stats for the week. Um, and so, definitely, driving distance is one. Um, my stroke scan approach model is the second one. So, I'm really focusing on proximity from 175 plus yards in. Um, and then, I think comp courses, uh, we're talking, you know, like Puerto Rico. Um, Corrales, um, even TPC San Antonio, which is another Greg Norman course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think TPC, or not TPC, but uh, Concession, I think that course fits as well. Um, and there's there's a couple others, but I'm really looking at those. Um, and those, of course, at least half of those have paspalum greens and paspalum grass um, that, that have been played on. So kind of looking at that. And then finally, I think another big one here, like you talked about with the scoring, you know, it's probably going to get at least 20 under, maybe even more. Um, Birdie opportunities within 15 feet. I think that's important this week. Um, so putting, I'm really not looking at that at all. You know, could this get into a putty, putting contest? I think it definitely could. Um, but, um, you know, with expected birdie fest, um, it makes sense to target players who are going to give themselves the best chance to have those birdie chances. Um, and so, like we said, with the putting kind of neutralized more on this surface. Um, so players who can get their approach shots within 15 feet, you know, that's another thing I'm, I'm really looking at. So I'm kind of targeting those four main areas this week.
0: That's the thing that worries me with Rom, to be honest, Ron, because if it's going to be a birdie fast, it's going to be something that is not going to be impacted by wind. You're saying that we're not going to have massive winds. Like, I don't know. I I would want Ron when he's the class of this field to be in a spot where it's really going to test his skills that separate him from the bottom of the guy, these guys. Like, these guys are all going to be able to go to your local Muni and light it up. And if this is going to play like a resort course uh, with no winds and they can just kind of, you know, grip and rip off the tee, I feel like that kind of brings everyone in a little bit more, especially other bombers, if if distance is a thing. And that's my only concern with Rom. But again, I think he's motivated. I think he is significantly better than anyone else in that top tier. And let's get to those other guys. There are four other guys in the 10K range. You mentioned Tony Finau. Right behind him, um, form has been a little bit of a mixed bag of late, but I think it's maybe turning in the right direction. Abe Answer, I think you will probably be a popular click looking for the Mexico narrative this week. Um, we've had spotty results with answer of late. Kevin Na, uh, not a spot where, again, if distance is an issue, not a spot where I love Na. And then Patrick Reed, shocking to see him, honestly, at 10K, uh, considering his form of late. Uh, is there anyone else in that that is going to be part of your core builds this week?
1: Yeah, Tony Fino for sure. Um, you know, he's long off the tee, which fits here. I think these wide fairways are going to kind of mitigate his wildness. You know, that's kind of one of the things he's struggled with lately is, you know, just kind of being wide. Um, he's second in approach. When I look kind of back at longer term form on approach, um, which really is going to play here. Um, you know, obviously, his around the green play has been kind of poor recently, um, but um if you remember the one title he did win in Puerto Rico was on these same greens, uh, the So, you know, that's another thing that really has me peaked um, on him. Um, yeah, answer, you know, I'm not going to touch him here, not with those injury concerns and, you know, I'm a little worried about rust and you know, how he's going to uh, kind of look here. I know, you know, you got the whole Mexico native or narrative, you know, with, with him. Um, so, you know, even going down further, you know, like you said, Kevin, Nah, like a long course like this just doesn't appeal to me as far as playing him. Agreed. Um, and then Patrick Reed, you know, I've got him coming at 4% right now, you know, so that's, you know, do you, do you pivot to him here? Um, the thing that kind of changes my mind on that is he's 113th in the field in driving distance. And so, you know, his distance has been going down lately. And so, you know, I can see maybe, you know, maybe doubling the field on him, maybe playing him 10%. You know, he did have a good recent finish on one of these postal courses. Um, I can't remember exactly which one it was. might've been Puerto Rico. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just, there's just not a lot to get excited about with these other three guys. And so I can, uh, for the most part, going uh, Rom and Fina, pretty top heavy there.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Reed's a hundredth in ball striking over the last 50 rounds just isn't, Good enough. Really, all of his results are really kind of propped up by putting results. And if you're telling me we're kind of neutralizing that this week, it's uh, it's another guy that I want on a tougher track, right? When I think about where he's done well. Um, again, he hasn't done much at all of late. Again, he, he's probably trending back closer to what we had seen in years past. Um, I do think that the, the nines are interesting. Again, this is kind of speaks to the week. A bunch of guys in the nines that are you know typically in the low eights, high sevens, uh, it kind of drops off a cliff pretty quickly. Uh, Gary Woodland feels like he's going to be a very, very popular play this week at 99. Again, just the natural savings. I think that there are there's a case to be made that you can start a lineup if you're skipping Rom or Finau with Gary Woodland. Um, again, checks the boxes from a distance standpoint. Uh, fairly decent in that range you're talking about from 175 to 200. So I like Gary Woodland. Again, we had a couple of T5s there in Florida. Form's been really tremendous outside of a pretty bad putting experience over there in Augusta. But otherwise, he's been uh, playing some really good golf. Sebastian Munoz is a guy that like in a place like this, if we can get into like the high 20s, like Munoz can get like red hot and absolutely oh, yeah. yep. like go crazy here. Um, I'll probably look at a, you know, see what your first round leader model looks like. I typically like Munoz for those types of plays. It's kind of early tee time. Maybe he avoids any of the wind there Munoz is very interesting to me too uh talk to me about the nines there's obviously a couple names here that uh, I want to talk about that I haven't mentioned yet but uh what jumps out to you here
1: yeah I think with you know when Berger withdrew you know that kind of when we're talking about Woodland you know that kind of bumped his ownership up even more yeah um yeah prices are just kind of hard to wrap your mind around in this range um I mean when you look at Munoz with a 9.8 you know it's kind of (laughs) sticker shock right there um now Woodland is probably that second guy along with Rom that, um, you know, he's chalky. I've got him at like 24% right now. Um, but him and, you know, I know we're going to have our, our Aaron wise discussion coming up, but (laughs) those are the three guys that I'm playing. I don't care what the chalk is. I'll be at least double, maybe triple the field on those three guys. Um, yeah. Woodland just checks every single box this week, you know, when, when his odds came out, you know, I got him at 30 to one. Um, and so three top eights in the last two months, Mm-hmm. Um he's fully healthy again. I mean, you can clearly see that with his driving distance. He's up to 14th on tour, not not just in the field, but on the whole tour, 14th yeah. in driving distance. I think fifth um, in the field. Yeah, fourteenth on yeah, tour. Yeah. Awesome. And you know, he's best he ranks first in the field in approach for me in my approach model. So hmm. um, you know, just all those factors and um so I'll look past that that ninety nine hundred price this week. Um, yeah, Munoz, you know, when you dig deeper on Munoz, um you know, it, I was pretty amazed at some of the numbers. Like, when you go back to the last 36 rounds, he's the third best player in this field. Um, you know, obviously the putting is a little concerned, but again, if we're not, For sure. if we're not worried about it, you know, um, he's been negative putting, you know, 13 of his last 15 events. Um, but, yeah, he's been playing really well recently. Um, Cameron Tringali is a guy who um, definitely, you know, 9% right now. I don't know if that's going to jump at all but you know the whole we've seen so many first time winners over the last few months and you know he's obviously one of those guys who's never won yet played for a long time but he's just so balanced in each area um, off the tee he can get wild but again this is a course that's going to you know mitigate that wildness off the tee so you know i really like him at 9700 um, and so kind of before we get – I'm going to let you start with Aaron Wise whenever you're ready for that. But, uh, yeah, Woodland and Tringali are, are kind of my two in this upper nine range I love.
0: I love Chris Kirk too. I feel like Chris Kirk is a guy that is just steady. There's really no weaknesses in his game. If you look over the last 50 rounds or so, I mean, again, the putting is not great, but, like, he's top 10 in strokes getting around the green, approach, off the tee, obviously ball striking as well. I mean, he's just – pretty solid and in this field he becomes one of those guys that makes sense in the in the 9ks again you have to kind of divorce yourself of what you think they typically are in a normal full field event this isn't that so um we have to kind of move on from that I think he is very much in play I mean yeah I'm obviously I'm plot committed to Aaron wise um he's not looking for his first win but he is looking for that next win as we kind of ascend here and again like it's the form is pretty decent um He's been playing some pretty good golf. If you look again over the last 50 rounds in this field, he's seventh in approach uh, seventh off the tee. The distance isn't like he's not a bomber, but he is, you know, fair off the tee from a uh, distance standpoint. And then fifth and strokes gain ball striking. So again, it is the putter. I'm hoping maybe there was some gains or there was something learned with a nice putting performance last time out at the RBC heritage kind of, you know, trying to go back to what worked for him in college. Again, I, I'm, Definitely from a betting standpoint, I'm locked in on him. I've even been betting him and not playing him very much in DFS, but this week I'm all in.
1: Yeah, let, let, just going back to the putting. So when you look over his last 11 events, he's actually gained putting seven of them. And so I know he's changed his putting stroke recently. Um, he's, um, you know, had a, had a rough patch there. Um, I know everybody's kind of predicting him. This is kind of the year he's going to blow up. And, um, you know, eighth tee to green, Um you know, he has the distance. He has a great history on these coastal type courses. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, he's a guy that, uh, you know, I'm not going to look past this week for sure.
0: Yep. Camp Champ. I don't know what to do with Camp Champ, Ron, because he is an enigma outside of Augusta National. Uh, we mentioned earlier he did win. He earned his way to Augusta with a win last year in Detroit. But again, not very much a similar bomb and gouge type of place. It was weird. He got super hot with the putter. In detroit like he gained like almost 10 strokes i think uh on the greens that week so again like if we have there's no penalty to grip it and rip it there is no one better off the tee than cam champ i mean there's still i think a ceiling there that we haven't that hasn't been realized it just if you look at anything recently outside of augusta it's pretty uncomfortable to click cam Champ.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um, and people are kind of talking him up even more now. You know, I have him around 13% ownership. Um, I kind of expect that to jump just because that – the whole distance narrative, I think people are going to really jump on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 10th at the Masters. I mean, he was actually second in greens and regulation there. Um, top five player here driving distance. You know, I have Wyndham Clark actually ranked first, so champ second. Um, you know it when you think about, okay, well, if his ownership gets up, obviously I'm going to be pivoting to wise a lot, but when you kind of go below him to me, I mean, Brendan Todd, Russell Knox, Streelman, I'm not, I'm not really playing either of those three guys here. Um, so another thing like he tends to contend um, out of nowhere at courses like this, you know, mm-hmm. he just kind of pops and um, you know, I just think where he can kind of rip it off the tee. Um, if he can get any semblance of that approach game, like he had at Augusta, Um, you know, I think you definitely have to play him here. It's just a matter of, of how much you go here. So uh, I do like him this week, um, but just kind of monitor those uh, ownership numbers as we go.
0: They could get problematic to your point, because right around there, like you mentioned that Todd Knox, Streelman, Matt Jones, Matt Jones played well last time out, but that's not a great tier here. Again, if you're building into that archetype of golfer now, uh, Feinberg and Andy wax poetic this morning about Russell Knox. Again, Russell Knox from an approach standpoint is going to check a lot of boxes. He can't really put either, but again, we're knocking that off But in the distance is something that's kind of in my way to be able to, to click Russell Knox.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Um, he's, he fits more the profile of those, you know, shorter, you know, 7,200 and less courses. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's uh, – going back to Matt Jones, though, you know, I do love him this week. Um, you know, whether the wind picks up or not, you know, he, he has a tendency to play good in those types of events. Um, going back to the Valero, you know, finished second. You know, that very recently, you know, he gained strokes in each category. You know, he was 15th in Riviera, you know, longer course where driving matters. Um, last 36 holes, he's fifth in the whole field, tee to green. Um, and when you get him on these longer type courses, he's, he's 10th in the field overall. So, um, you know, of course his, uh, his win at Bay Hill, uh, last year was on a, a, kind of a similar longer, uh, course. So I do like him at, at, at 9,000. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, kind of once we get past wise and champ, you know, he's my next guy.
0: All right. The eights are going to be your time to sell me on some guys. Cause I am not super thrilled about any of them um, Doug Gim, I think is a uh, a guy that probably has a little more ceiling than we've seen so far. I don't know really what fits him outside of Sawgrass. Um, and that's always been awfully putting reliant too. Uh, we, we thought maybe we were going to get some ascension from a Sahith Tagala standpoint, based on what we saw in Phoenix hasn't really come together, but again, the pedigree is definitely there for gala, so I can understand why someone would be buying this week in a weaker field event. Uh, Aaron Rice is playing some decent golf. Again, distance is kind of a problem here, so he feels kind of like a Russell Knox build than uh, than a Cam Champ build. If that makes sense, Carlos Ortiz possibly again with the Mexico narrative that feels really lazy to me. Uh, his form has been pretty poor of late, unfortunately. Um, and then Davis Riley again, that we you know pretty decent week last week paired up with. Uh, Zalatoris again, Riley is another guy from a pedigree standpoint that we think is ascending that should be, if he's going to be that kind of guy, should be able to take advantage and show pretty well in a field like this. So talk to me about the top half of the eights.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Doug Gam, you know, sixth at the players. You know, he was 35th at the RBC. Um, one thing I really like to look at um, is, you know, when we talk about miscuts, cuts, obviously that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to get all six of your players through that cut line. So one thing I like to do is go back and look at, you know, when players miss cuts, were they still positive tee to green? And so when you go back and look at Doug Gam, you know, his last two missed cuts, you know, he was positive still tee to green. Um, and so even with my core four for the week, um, he's seventh overall in the field over the last six months tee to green um, on approach. He's ninth in the field. Um, so again, not a price we typically see for him, but uh, you know, just a very talented guy who, you know, if he can get some punts to fall. So I do like that. Um, My guy down here is probably going to be Aaron Rye. Um, So he is a world-class player. I don't think many people realize that he has six international wins like over the past three years. Uh, We've seen him this year, even on the PGA tour, which it looks like he's, he's pretty much committed to playing here. Um, He's got five top twenties this year. Uh, He's positive ball striking. He's 13th tee to green over his last 36 rounds. Uh, And he is, if that win, Uh, picks up. Um, he is a very good win player, you know, just all the experience playing on the, uh, European tour and the like. So Aaron Ryan is a guy who I really love, um, at 8,700, you know, ownership is kind of decent right now, only about 11%. Um, going down Carlos Ortiz, like you said, um, he is a Vedanta resort ambassador, you know, uh, he does. The thing that does have me a little intrigued on him is he does play good on these longer courses. He's a great par five player. Um, and when you look back at his history, um, he has three top six teams playing in Mexico. So we talk about the narrative, but, you know, he has played very well in front of you know his home fans. Um, he kind of his last and this is going back to last year. Um, the last time he really played good was at Mayakoba. Um He finished second there. So I am intrigued by him and he's only coming in at, you know, 6% right now. So I think as of now, that's a, that's a nice play. And like I said earlier, Charles Howell, you know, I know we're getting down a little bit lower here, but uh, he's a cup maker. He loves these coastal courses. Um, And if you kind of look back when he plays in these weaker field events, um, he feasts these type of weeks, you know, he, he's a regular top 20 finisher and You know, don't need him to win. I don't expect him to win. He may never win again. But, you know, top 20, top 15, top 10, you know, he's very capable of, of pulling that off in a field like this.
0: When you get down here as well, C.T. Pan feels like a guy that very much is like an Aaron Rod. When you look at their profiles a little bit, it sometimes is a struggle with the putter, maybe a struggle a little bit uh, around the green, but really just from a, you know, tee to green standpoint. Uh, they could show up pretty well. C.T. Pan is a is an interesting guy. We've seen random win equity with C.T. Pan as well. Uh, another guy, too, down here. I thought that we were going to be able to get, at least from the betting standpoint, uh, I hadn't looked at DFS pricing yet. I was like, oh, Mark Hubbard. Okay. Like, again, not a distance guy, but the rest of it looks okay. The form's been pretty decent. Some of it on the Corn Ferry Tour. But, and I don't want to say that this is a Corn Fairy event, but, like, it's not, again. Yeah. It's closer to that than it yeah. is, maybe, you know, a, the, what we'll see in a couple of weeks at like Memorial or something. So, um, shocked at his betting number. It was in like the 50s. Uh, I thought it was going to get like 100 to 1 on a Mark Hubbard outright or something like that. So, that will not be on the card. But like Hubbard and DFS, perhaps. Um, he's popped in, in some spots too over the years where you're not expecting him to show up. And there's a little bit of upside there too. So, uh, any interest here in the bottom half of the eights?
1: Yeah, so so with Hubbard, like if you're if you're just trying to, you know, I don't th- he's not a guy who's going to win you a, a GPP or anything, but you know when you go back in time, he's made 15 of his last 19 cuts, so he's a guy who you know you're close to a guarantee he's going to get you through um, to the weekend. Um, yeah, you know I, I do like him here. You know, um, just going back up, really the only other guy, um, Lanto Griffin is, is somewhat intriguing. You know his his form recently has not been good. Um, at 8,300 there. Uh, but kind of when you go back in these types of courses, you know, he's second in the field when we have easy scoring courses. Um, he's very consistent off the tee. Um, and kind of my my core four again, you know, he ranks 12th for me. Um, he's actually sixth in the field in opportunities gained. So he's putting himself in position. Um, he's just not making the putts. Um, and so he's really the only other guy um, that i I'm considering, uh, pant, like pant to me, um, he's just, I worry about his distance on a course like this. Cause he yes. is kind of more, of a, more of a, uh, Harbor town type player. Um, but so, yep. Um, uh, I will, for the most part be skipping this kind of lower 8K range and kind of heading into the sevens here.
0: Agreed. There are three guys that I, I think kind of check the boxes. I think two will be very popular. Um, But in that archetype of distance, um, make a lot of sense. Uh, I think Austin Smotherman is going to be very popular down in this range. Makes a lot of sense in his playing better than you think. Actually, really, when you look over the last 50 rounds, he has been pretty terrific, actually. I believe he is – where is the Smotherman? I think he is fourth. Um, Fourth in strokes game ball striking, fourth in approach. Uh, over the last 50 rounds. It's just kind of wild. Uh, again, distance checks the box there, too. Uh, Wyndham Clark, as you mentioned, can just absolutely bomb it. Uh, it's going to be a fairly popular play. Uh, Feinberg mentioned that Mayo is on Wyndham Clark. We do typically see a Mayo bump if it's a guy, especially down here, that he is you know touting. Um, you mentioned him being you know first in your off-the-team model in distance. And then another guy that I don't think is going to be there that I think at least historically used to kind of check that box and be a guy that we want when it comes down to distance and a little bit of putting is Patrick Rogers. It hasn't been there of late, but like it's a guy that I typically like to play in these spots. Um, again, it hasn't been terrific of late, but you can sell me on Patrick Rogers. So those are kind of my three here in the upper sevens. Uh, this is a pretty full range. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I love this range. Um, even going to the top at 7,900 with uh, Bon Lahiri, you know, he's kind of been playing well recently, four straight made cuts, finished second at the players. He's kind of boom, boom or bust on approach. You know, you just kind of don't know what you're going to get from him uh, each week. He does have a good record on Pespello. Um Chad Ramey. Um, I think obviously everybody knows he just won Corrales, but you know, when you kind of dig a little deeper, you know, he's got two top fives in the last six weeks. Um, he is fifth, and birdies are better on these longer type courses. Um, he appears to love these kind of tropical pass balance setups. Um, you know, he was 17th in Bermuda, he was fifth in Puerto Rico. Yeah. So he's a guy who, you know, um, people, you know, maybe the, the whole bias of, you know, he just won, I'm not gonna play him again. You know, I think he's a great play here. Yeah, Smotherman, there's there's not much to dislike about him. Um, I know he really hasn't challenged, you know, any, you know, top of the leaderboard or anything like that, but To me, he's a prime breakout candidate here. Um, You know, I got him at 150 to one, you know, betting when those odds came out. Um, You know, he's played on the PGA Latino America tour. So he's got tons of experience playing down here in Mexico on these, you know, same type of courses. Um, Woodland's first in approach. He's actually second in my approach model. Um, And like you said, he's 23rd in driving distance. So, you know, he checks so many boxes this week. Um, And just going back to Patrick Rogers, you know, I think. It's a really kind of good buy low spot for him. I don't think, you know, I've got him at 5% right now. Um, the course suits his skills very, very good. Um, you know, he's long off the tee and he, he does tend to spray it around. But again, it's not going to hurt him here. Um, he's really good with his long irons. You know, he's 10th in proximity from 200 plus yards. And if this does get into a putting contest, I mean, he is one of the best putters in the field. So you kind of have to think about kind of his streakiness here. just how weak the field is i mean this is a perfect event for him to kind of rise to the top and then yeah finally wyndham clark you know um you know i'm I'm never hardly ever played him but you know he's trending upwards he's made four straight cuts you know leads the field in driving distance Um, he's third in the field in strokes game putting so again kind of that driving putting combination um and he does another thing he has three recent top 22 finishes on Uh, coastal courses so just another thing to keep in mind about him
0: yeah when you look at patrick rogers real quick um we had numerous years in a row um basically from 2017 to 2021 he's losing anywhere between a half stroke and like 0.4 strokes per round on approach Uh, this year he is positive uh 0.02 but again like he's field average and approach but if you're that's like that's per round like that's two per event now again i'm not always two per event because he's not always making the weekend so sometimes it's one but again that's that's a massive improvement from a guy that was just kind of hemorrhaging t to green so again like the distance is there spraying it's a problem but spraying it's you know not going to be a problem here from all accounts so he's very interesting to me especially if he's going to be sub to 10%, which I think he is going to be based off of some of the other names here. Uh, like I said, these are the same prices as when the Clark people like playing JT post and occasionally like Stallings Smotherman. Like I think these guys are all going to garner a little bit more ownership. So Patrick Rogers could be an interesting pivot down here. Uh, what else in the bottom half? Again, it's a pretty loaded list. Is there anyone else? Cause I, I don't have a ton down here. Peter Uline at the bottom is an interesting guy to me at seven K again, he's been playing a little bit on the corn ferry with some, you know, middling results can hit the ball pretty far. Again, he fits the archetype and that's about it.
1: Yeah. I could go on for a long time about this range. So I'll try to keep it shorter, but and just in general, like this, when you hit this range, you know, this will allow people and me, especially. So if you, if I want to play Ram and Fino together, if I want to play Fino and Woodland, if I want to play Ram and wise, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take those four guys and I'm going to mix and match just a whole bunch of these guys on here. And so, even going up a little higher to 7,500, Nate Lashley, you know, four of his last five events, he's finished in the top 30. He's a coastal course specialist. Um, you know, Alex Smalley, you know, he just finished mm-hmm. second at Corrales, you know, he's 7,400. Um, he is, you know, really good uh, with his long irons, you know, he's 20th in driving distance. So he kind of brings that to the table as well. Um, going down, I really love Grayson Sig, um, at 7,300. I he think he's a really strong play here. Um, even if he was your sixth, your last guy into your lineup, you know, he's made 16 of his last 20 cuts. So if you're just looking for a guy down here, just get me through six of six. Yeah. Um, seven of his last eight cuts he's made. So, I mean, when you combine that with the weaker field, you know, he's played well in strong field, stronger field events than this. Um, Tyler Duncan is a guy who he keeps popping every week in my model. Um, he's very consistent, um, you know, made four or five cuts, And his average finish position in those five events has been 27th. So, you know, he's kind of been playing much better recently. Um, Chase Seifert. So he's made four straight cuts. Um, He grew up in Florida playing on courses similar to this with, with, you know, water danger. Um, And, he, you know, he told me he feels really comfortable on these types of courses. And, you know, he kind of expects to excel on weeks like this. Um, And even going a little bit lower, I think Joseph Bramlett is another guy who,
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Bomb it.
1: Just, just kind of a bombing. But but most people don't realize his ball striking as far as approach game is not that bad either. Um, like we said, like I said earlier, kind of with the preview, you know, carry distance off the tee is going to be important here just because the, the pest ball kind of stops your ball quicker in the fairway. So you're not going to get as much roll here. And, you know, he's third in the field in carry distance. Um, long irons, he's 12th in proximity from 200 plus yards. When you look at the comp courses, he's sixth in the field. So to me, he's a perfect course fit here. Just, you know, kind of similar to Champ almost, but he's kind of a cheaper version of Cameron Champ. And so I could very easily um, see him outscoring Champ this week. Um, So Bramlett's a guy who I'm going to be loading up on as
0: well. Yeah, like Bramlett. We wanted the Bramlett narrative last week with Matt McNeely with the ice cream, uh, team ice cream, but did not come to fruition, unfortunately. So, Uh, all right. How about the sixes? It is not great um there is nothing that jumps out to me as a someone that you have to to jam in there are some you know varying skill sets that you can mix and match and hope that things go well you know if uh peter malnati runs hot with the putter or uh you know trey mullinex fits the bombers uh you know fit an archetype that we're talking about uh what do you like in the sixes
1: so my strategy down here, um, and this is typically what it is, um, but especially when it's this bad down here is what I'll do is, you know, for, for some of these, um, you know, getting into even, even starting at the top of, of that range with, you know, an Adam Shank of Ben Martin, you know, I'll play each of these guys at about 5%, you know, they'll be my last guy in, and I'll kind of spread out the ownership, but, Probably won't play any of them more than 5%. Uh, But Shank Shank kind of appeals to me. You know, he has some distance off the tee. He's kind of similar to Patrick Rogers in that, you know, he can get very hot with the putter. Um, I know he made a caddy switch recently, and so he's kind of still getting adjusted to that. Uh, But he did just finish seventh at Corrales. So, um, and then, again, same narrative with Ben Martin, you know. You know, we all saw what happened to him when he kind of should have won um, at Corrales a few weeks ago, you know, he's made three straight cuts, you know, he's, he's kind of desperate, you know, if you saw that press conference afterwards, you know, he wants to, you know, get back on tour as a regular. And so, you know, I think that veteran experience that he brings, um, I think 6,900 is a really good price for him. Um, once you dip lower though, you know, Vaughn (laughs) Taylor, I can't figure out why, but every single week he is like in the top 30 in my model. And then he just doesn't, pull through you know and I know we've had past bad experiences with him but you know he's 6900 you know Hayden Buckley's a guy who can rip it off the tee as well um he's 6800 um Vincent Whaley's very intriguing because he has called himself kind of a coastal course specialist and so I think he's a type of guy who yeah he's a type of guy who you know I'll play some um once you get below this though you know I, it's really hard to get excited about any of these guys, you know, especially when you're, if you're, if you're strongly considering driving distance being important, you know, there's just so many, so many of these guys, you know, Aaron Badley's and, you know, they're just not guys who can hit it that far off the tee. And so, like you said, you know, you may be able to pick and choose certain skill sets um, with some of these guys, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm steering clear for the most part.
0: Yeah. I guess Brandon Hagee at 6,400 is uh. Yep. good call you know, top 10 in, in driving distance on tour this season. So that's about it. Um, again, like it's so hard because we're trying to find a flavor that fits here at a place that we haven't seen before. But, uh, again, like if it's, if that's going to be a massive advantage this week, you know, when you need to get down here, then that makes some sense to me. And that's really about it. It's the only guy down below 65 that I even had on my list that was, that was even worth mentioning. So bye, my friends. Core three guys, I think you've given it to us, but who is going to be kind of the, you know, the pillars of your lineup construction this week? And again, if you were, I know you're going to build more, but if you were kind of building three max, who's going to be at the heart of your lineups?
1: Yeah, so I'll definitely try to get exposure to, to at least two of those, you know, when it's wrong, Fina, Woodland, um, Aaron Wise, um, you know, but, but spreading out even further, like if I'm building a core three, you know. Rom Rom Orfino, and then, you know, Aaron Rye at 8700 I think he's, you know, that's a really good value price. Um, And then even dropping lower, you know, when you get to, like we said, uh, a Smotherman, Rogers, you know, those those two guys are really appealing to me as well. Um, And even Bramlett, you know, so
0: um,
1: I can see a core of like a Rom, Rye, Bramlett and kind of building around those three and mixing and matching. Um, I think that's a real good strategy this week.
0: I love it. I'm going to – Eat some chalk that I think is going to be there at 9,900 with Gary Woodland. I think that that's a good play. I'm on Woodland this weekend. I uh, will have Aaron Wise in that core, of course. And then I'm going to I'm going to eat the chalk at Smotherman as well at 7,800. I think it just makes too much sense. I think he is uh, – yeah, he, he in this field based on his skill set should be a little bit higher. So I think we're getting some value there. I think I'm willing to differentiate elsewhere. I think Patrick Rogers is a guy that you can pivot off of uh, we can find out. There's a couple guys that you mentioned that you like that weren't on my radar in the eights that I think that I can maybe use to get off of ownership that I think maybe are are very much in play too. So, all right, tell the fine folks what is uh, over on BetSports Golf from you and what's still to come.
1: Yeah, so uh, betting model uh, we got articles coming for that. Um, obviously, first round leader um, tomorrow, um, so yeah, it should be interesting uh, with the first round leader. A lot of competition um, with such a weaker spread out field, so. Uh, those odds are, are um, kind of interesting to look at. So yeah, those are the main two things. And uh, obviously next week getting back into, you know, quail hollow. uh, Well, it's not a quail hollow this year, you know, Wells Fargo, it's up there, Potomac. So a little different, Uh, but yeah, marching onwards towards the uh, PGA championship here. So uh, can't wait.
0: Turn the corner. We have some good, uh, better fields and events coming up here. So, Again, definitely check out BettsBurtsGolf.com, BettsBurtsGolf.com slash newsletter. Uh, If you want to be able to stay in the loop free every week, uh, sometimes twice a week, you want to stay up on to any of the promotions, discounts, shows, all the things that we have going on. uh, Andy does a terrific job putting that together. Definitely worth your time. So for Ron, I'm Ryan. We'll see you all next week.